do agree that, you know, it's time that we all wake up and take responsibility, even for our ancestors that did not know any better. been waiting patiently to have this kind of conversation. <laughs> well, it's Wake Up With KC and I'm excited because I have a special guest who is an author and has studied American history. And she, I noticed a comment that she said, the, reason, the real reason why I left the South and becoming a sexual intellectual female and that just that just fires me up because i've always wanted to talk to somebody about this kind of stuff so please welcome regina hansen good morning good well it's after almost afternoon for me for you <laughs> good morning for me <laughs> so regina i came across your uh your information and i really you you wrote your first book the real reason why i left the south and that's a little mem memoir and can you please explain to us on like your story how that book and what it means i think that it will be my most important work throughout my career um it was very important to me on a soul level to get it published I actually quit my job to do that because I felt an urgency in the situation. Um, I had got the idea when Charlottesville happened. The book title in its entirety is Racism, The Real Reason I Left the South. It's less than 100 pages. Um, it's true real life stories about my parents, myself, our experiences uh, in Georgia. Um, and the South regarding race relations. It's intense. It's very truthful. I could not have written that if both my parents hadn't already been passed away because there were some family secrets in that. And um, it was very, very important to me to get that done. I, I spent a year and a half between Charlottesville and the time where I got serious about writing it. And what I mean by that is I tend to organize my work um, which is nonfiction by pair uh, by chapters. So I know what stories and what points I want to make and I get my chapters named and then I start telling those stories within the chapters. I realized very quickly when I first started trying to pull the project together, which was summer of 2018, I remember correctly that there was, going to be some backlash, that I could expect hate mail, that I could expect death threats. Um, I do talk about the plan in it. And I had to push through that emotionally, mentally and spiritually to get to a place where I could step out of that fear and into the importance of writing the book. So I did that. I got it out by December 2019. And was very grateful that the feedback has been positive, particularly from the black community, which was my biggest concern. Um, so I was excited about that. And then the Black Lives Matter movement, in my words, exploded in the spring. And so I realized why I had felt on a soul level, it was so important to get it out and get it out then. Mm -hmm. And because it was written from my heart and it wasn't written in response to the Black Lives Matter movement, if that makes sense. It was something right. that had been um, on my heart for a long time. And so once I got that done, I presented it at the National Black Studies Conference in Atlanta in early March in 2020. And when I got back to Vegas, um, we were on lockdown for COVID. Oh, yeah. So I had the whole year to do something else. And another project that had been brewing for me since 2012 was sexual intellectual female. This was a term I had created for my master's thesis. And I was actually exploring burlesque and the rise, the demise, and then the reemergence of burlesque in uh, 20th century America. So 
is I studied that more and more, and I got a book while I lived in Vegas by a woman who had interviewed hundreds of burlesque performers from the 20th century. I realized the thesis that I had used for my master's had sort of imploded in the sense that it didn't hold water, which was fine. I already knew that when I wrote Sexual Intellectual Female as a book, that I wanted to apply it to 21st century living and what was happening now um, to empower our current generation and our coming generations. But that sort of affirmed that that's where I needed to go. So I spent 2020 researching social media, pop culture, um, anything I could get my hands on. And the book has 144 in notes. There is a lot of sort of action, real-time packed information and proof for my thesis in this work. And it's basically that we have a new woman emerging in the 21st century. Um, I have deemed her the sexual intellectual female. And these are women who are claiming their bodies as their own. They're saying we're not just sexual beings. We're also intellectual beings. We have a mind and we have a right to embrace all of who we are. We have a right to choose whether or not we become mothers, whether or not we want to be married. We have a right to a healthy sex life. And so that's what sexual intellectual female ended up being about. Wow. Well, I, you know, I, I started reading the book. I have to get some more ink so I could print it. So it's like 130 pages. But let me ask you something. You, you're, you've studied American history and, you know, I love history too, but I've, I guess, was going on my own like kind of journey because I ask a question and question everything. Dr. Joe Vitelli taught me that in my transformation of, you know, asking the right questions, you know, and to me, it's like when you're heartfelt and you're coming from pure authenticity and you really want to know the truth about something, it's going to come and you might not like the truth, right. but the truth. And, you know, I feel like, and I'm just going to be blunt. Religion is bullshit. It was not created by what they call this God. If they understood and asked the right questions of how we, we were created. And then the writings that have been left in history, if you know how to translate them, you would be shocked to find, find out some truth there. And back then, and I mean, we're, we're talking about 450,000 years, 95,000 years ago when civilization was created and how women were treated. And then it just escalated to where it got um, the Amber Arby codes and laws of how women were treated. And they were considered a piece of property and they could be sold as a slave and it, it, it's just astounding to me and then you look at you call it the bible it they took some of those writings and put it into the bible but this to me is not the essence of god god would not treat a woman as a piece of property you know that they have to be silenced they have to be covered up and i think would you agree that's part of an part of the limited belief, mental programming, and even the emotional genetic traumas that still have been taking place. And it's just not even scratching the surface of us waking up to realize like, holy shit, we have it all wrong. I do agree, Kimberly. And the way that I phrase it is that religious doctrine was written by men. And of course the church will tell you that it was ordained by God. But I came to believe early on, even in my 20s, that the church was less about elevating people and helping them grow spiritually and more about controlling society. We have way too much child molestation in church, and it's not just in the Catholic church. And we have way too much abuse, way too much subjugation going on for it to be a truly positive experience. Um, within our communities and society at large. So that's my twist on that. It's not that I'm an atheist and don't believe in God. It's simply that 
I believe our spiritual journey is about learning to love unconditionally, including ourselves, self-love. And the church doesn't teach that. No, they think sex is so bad. And see, that's where I'm, I'm doing my study right now on, okay, in this part of civilization, okay, you want to go back as far as the Egypt times, the high priestess Isis, they had sexual rituals because they knew it was an aspect to connect to a spiritual, like greater and like connecting to that source, divine source energy. And that was part of a sexual ritual. It wasn't nothing bad. It was just, they knew there's writings about this, you know, back then time. So I'm like, okay, well, if it was all good and everyone was at peace, they were having, you know, sex orgies, whatever it was to that extent, then when did religion come in and sort of like, oh no, you can't, you got to wait until you're married. You got to do this. It, it just is astounding to me how it all of a sudden got suppressed. Correct. And think about the fact that women and men, our entire culture was taught that women should enjoy sex, that sex should be solely for procreation. And then that evolved into my wife's supposed to be a holy vessel, you know, and in such she, she can't enjoy sex. So should I enjoy sex with her or should I have a prostitute or a, a lover, a mistress on the side to really have a fulfilled sexual relationship? It, it really twisted the mindset. And so then you see our culture beginning to embrace men having affairs and having mistresses and Marriage is not being allowed to really flourish and have healthy sex lives within that unit. It's very obscene and backward. Well, hold up a second. You know, the women being a holy vessel. But if you look back in history, there was incest going on with the royal type of families because in their mindset, it was to keep the blood, the air is going. And then, yes. Kings had concubines, kings had mistresses, but oh no, the queen couldn't have a side one. And I was like, well, that's a little discriminating to me. Cause I'm like, if you want something on the side, somebody on the side, then I'm gonna have somebody on the side too. That's just fair. Right, and you you share with me before we started talking that you had pulled up the sex and porn chapter from the book and you had printed out some pages from that. and. I felt like that was a really important chapter in the book. It had sort of evolved at the last minute. I, I listened to a podcast of a gentleman who is a former um, porn and drug addict who now counsels people. He's become a great friend. His name is Joshua. Um, if anybody wants to follow him online on um, Instagram or what have you, he's at P Addict Recovery. And I think that's his website as well, pedditrecovery.com. But I learned a lot from him um, about how twisted society has become that we're our children are educating themselves through porn. And they're not allowed or fostered in having a healthy sex life within their marriage. And what it's doing is damaging both male and females um, women and men and preventing them from having sexy sex, <laughs> from having healthy sex lives in their own marriages, which is counterproductive to what the church preaches. It's very yeah. interesting. It is. And you know what I found fascinating is that you, <laughs> I think it's chapter six, sex apart. You put good porn is really hard to come by. And that was the quote at the top. Yeah. <laughs> so, and then it's like religion has, you know, in, in certain is masturbation is a sin. Well, who in the hell said so? God did not say it was a sin. Man thinks it's a sin. Right. And, and there, there is a, a scripture in the Bible, and I can't remember where it's at, and it may have been Old Testament. This 
says something along the lines of to spew your seed into the earth instead of into the womb is a sin. Yes. Because he was jacking, he was having sex with somebody and he did not want to come inside her. So he threw it out there to the seed. That's where that comes from. And that's what they did a lot of times is they would, and that's when somebody said, oh, well, then, you know, that's a sin. If you waste your cum, well, we don't want to overpopulate. Hello? Hello? <laughs> Even back in those times, religion was torturing, sexually abusing, burning, persecuting, and executing. To me, religion and government are the biggest murderers in the history of this world. 80 million, 80 million people. And that's including infants and kids. Right, and a lot of people draw a blind eye to that. They don't want to accept, think about, entertain on any level the fact that the grossest atrocities known to mankind have happened via the church and religion. It's, That's a lot to swallow. And and people who are who do identify as Christians don't want to think about or accept that. But that's something that we need to look at because people don't need to be religious to be good people in society that is a complete misconception and we need to recognize that all of our churches are not helping some of our churches are still abusing and with that knowledge and power we need to create another form of unity within community that allows people to elevate one another without the guise of hell and brimstone mm -hmm. Well, to me, it's like there's no such thing as hell. There's no such thing as heaven. We created ourselves. And my understanding is we're spiritual beings, sexual beings inside this human being. I just happened to come into this earth as a redhead female and I got the female parts. But I had a lot of healing because when I was promiscuous or I flirted too much, I remember my, my parents saying, you're acting like a slut or you're dressing like a slut. And I'm from the 80s. And I just want to just be me. I want to feel good. It wasn't that I was trying to, you know, what their mindset and then it goes back into what they were taught. And their limited beliefs and whatnot. So I can just imagine a lot of my high school friends and those born in that time, you know, the same time as me, what we went through. If I went through it, they had a gone to, you know, been through it as well. And it's to me, it's like the divine source energy that I'm connected to is experience you want to call it god the Tao, whoever is experiencing life with me if i don't like the experience i can change it but sex is the most enjoyable pleasure when you have two human beings enjoying the energy that they're creating together and it's both consensual right so to me the best sex education I could tell you is sex is synergistic energy exchange. Do you agree with that? I do. hundred percent. I've studied that a fair amount over the last decade as well. And for me on a personal level, and this isn't for everyone or something that I'm preaching to others, but sex is only good for me. If I have a soul connection with someone, it's only good for me if if that energy and that synergy is, mm -hmm. is happening and it doesn't happen with just anyone, but I completely support all women in their sexuality, how they want to explore that, how they want to become, how they want to be, um, be free, be fulfilled, be happy. I think that owning your own body and your own choices is the most empowering, important thing a woman can do in her life. And if she continues to live according to church doctrine or um, old societal expectations, 
that would keep her from being at her happiest and most fulfilled, then she's not living her best life. No, no. And, you know, you mentioned in, in part of your chapter, you know, going back to sex and porn, you know, there, there's some good aspects and bad aspects of porn. Can you share with us what you mean by that and, and what's in the book? Let's go back to the, the blurb, the quote I used at the top, which, which was my own quote. It was the only chapter I used my own quote underneath the title. I tried to pull from history and happenings, fun quotes um, for each chapter. And that one I use my own because I haven't found a lot of good porn. And I only spent maybe a year or two searching and then sort of gave up on it. Because for me, it was so graphic. And again, this is a very personal thing. But for me, it was so graphic and unaffectionate, if you will, um, that it lacked any form of sensuality or pleasure in the sense that I was continuously seeing women being intruded upon instead of being in a situation where they really were receiving mutual gratification, if that makes sense. And so for me, it doesn't have a place in my sex life, but that doesn't mean that it doesn't work for other people. I do believe, I mean, we have a growing culture of porn addiction between yeah. both women and men. And that is almost a separate conversation from what you're asking me right now in the sense that it's just another way people escape their own pain, their own stress, um, issues in life that they're not willing to consciously work through. Again, I'm not going to tell anyone that they shouldn't listen to porn or listen or watch porn. Um, but I think that if you're someone who, and you and I seem to be connecting on a spiritual plane here, if you're someone who understands that you're a spiritual human being having a physical experience in life, then you're going to flock more towards those spiritual experiences, um, connecting on a higher level. And for me, porn reduced sexuality to something not just graphic, but something that subjugates women and portrays them as sexual objects instead of human beings having a mutual experience. So that's how I feel personally about porn. But again, being a feminist, I'm going to support any woman's right to explore her sexuality. And that includes watching porn if she's finding something there for her. Right. I just shared with you how I felt about it. And, and great. Thank you. Because I think that needs to be heard. You know, there's got to be some kind of boundaries. But I know from, I've learned this from T. Harv Hecker is, and I know it's a quote from somebody else, but he goes, people form habits, habits form their future. Mm. And we all create our reality through what we perceive and believe. Now, I don't mind, you know, because I'll, I'll watch porn. I'll just, you know, because I'm very curious. You know, what about this? What? Because to me, it doesn't matter if you're a cross-dresser, a transgender, a bi, gay, or lesbian. It's sex. And how the interaction goes, how they do it, and whatnot. That, I'm just curious. And that's why I like to, you know, explore those other aspects. I mean, you can pick up some good positions. Nobody's going to argue that, right? Yeah, right? So, and we're all sexual beings. So to me, it doesn't matter what gender or race or what color. I mean, I honestly feel if everybody could just honestly wake up and I don't know what it is to have to shift their mindset. Maybe that's probably the, the thing to do is change your mindset and look at everybody as, you know, just divine beings in whatever human being they are don't look at the color don't look at the you know what body parts they have just as a divine being walking on earth 
and I think they're being, if they had more sex and they can really enjoy that experience, it's like having a euphoric orgasmic ecstasy. You're enjoying being in the present moment with somebody. There'd be a lot more peace on earth. <laughs> I think for the most part, you're absolutely correct. I think we touched earlier because you brought up the synergy of sexuality and having that interaction with someone else. And I think you're advanced enough probably to have studied um, negative entities jumping from one person to the other during sex. So I think that's something that we need to be careful of too. I don't think there's anything wrong with being particular about the lover that you take. Um, if you're connecting with them on a spiritual level, then you can better identify if there's something negative going on there that you don't want in your energy field, you don't want in your life. Um, I'll protect my energy field. But let me tell you something. If I get horny and I need my sexual needs satisfied, let me tell you something. I got crystals. I got gems. I got little secret little things to surround. And I say, my shield is up and this is my power. I'm not sharing it unless I feel I can share it with you. Interesting. But I'm like, met. Okay. I'm impressed. <laughs> I'm very impressed. And it, I think it does take someone who's advanced spiritually to be able to do that. I'm still at a point where I would be too intimidated that my energy field could be intruded upon to do that. But also know that I was molested at the age of seven. So I'm still working on a lot of boundaries and walls I have up. Okay. Well, and that's also in the book. I, 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 I still can relate because I was sexually molested at 13 by a religious man. And then I was raped by, uh, at 15 and somebody that was drunk that actually said like he would, he'd kill himself if I didn't talk to him. When you hear that at such a young age, you know, suicide or they're going to hurt themselves. You, you know, it's like, I don't want you to hurt yourself. I don't want you to do anything, you know, to die, especially in front of me. Hello? No. Mm -hmm. So you just, you turn into someone trying to help somebody and then they flip the script and then they rape you. That's traumatic. Very and i've overcome it you know i was like well you know what he was just being drunk and stupid i was naive i take responsibility for it well he was being a master manipulator he so, wasn't just being 15 you don't know that kind of lingo yet you're just you know young and naive and it was just a life experience that gained me wisdom later on in life understanding I love how you just put that. I want you to say it one more time and then I want to respond to that, please. That last line. That it was just a life experience and later on I learned from it and I, I gained wisdom from it. So that's huge because a church and society teaches women that, I talk a lot about this in the book, that they're unpure if they give themselves to anyone except their husband. And what that does to us psychologically, if we've been raped or molested, is makes us feel like trash. Yeah. Used trash that isn't good enough to be in a good marriage, that isn't good enough for a relationship. And so if you have all of that going on psychologically on top of the sexual trauma that you just experienced, then you're going to shut down. You're going to go into survival mode. It's going to be a long road to pay for you to get to a place where you can have a healthy sex life and self image mm -hmm. and society at large does that to women and religion plays a huge part in that. Yep. So the fact that you now have reached a point in your life where you can look back at that and see it for what it was and not think less of yourself to, to say I was young and naive and give yourself permission to, sort of release what happened to you um, is a place that many women never get to. So many women are trying to suffocate those emotions and that trauma that they never get past it. 
and they're they're never going to be able to have a fully healthy sex life. They're never going to be free in their sexuality as a result of that. And you know what? On top of that, because everything's at energy, the emotional energetic trauma is energy that you hold and store in. Guess what? Energy turns into matter, which causes sickness and disease. Cancer. Thank you. Being a big one. And I'm with you 110% on that. My parents both died of cancer within about three years of each other. And they had a, a I'll say, a tumultuous marriage. It was never violent, but it was very much my mother was in love with another man. My father knew it. He did everything he could to make her happy. She wasn't. As he lay dying on his deathbed, she was sending this other man cards. She wanted to be with him when my father died. And my parents were married for 54 years before he died. What? And, and religion was, keeps you in that mindset. Once yeah. the vows are said, you can't. And I think that's bullshit. Well, it's tragic because my father could have been in a very happy marriage. and wasn't, you know, very sad. So he died of cancer and then she was diagnosed about nine months later after she reconnected with this old lover and realized that he was not a good man and was you know she lived her whole life holding out for this person who wasn't the right one after all and so it was just such a tragic love story then she was diagnosed with cancer battled it for a couple of years and succumbed and I knew at that point, watching all of that happen and take place, that when we have pent up emotions that we don't process in a healthy way, when we stay in relationships that aren't good for us, um, where we're having to bury too much of ourselves and try to suffocate negative emotions, it manifests as dis-ease. Mm -hmm. Dis-ease of the mind manifests as disease in the body. Well, the mind the heart, even the digestive system, it's all communicators in our human being. Science will back me up on this. No, I agree. Uh, what you eat, what you feed your mind, what you feed inside, and then your emotions and feelings, it's communicators going on inside you. And then when you get off balance, then it, 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 it there's more stuff that comes up. And it's like a domino effect and then it just keeps getting worse until you deal with the root of it. And a lot of times, you know, it's like putting a bandaid on a wound, but you're not, it's not healing because you didn't get to the root of it. Right. You know, and I being an empathic intuitive transmedium, it's, and I was a massage therapist. I had to retire from being a massage therapist because I was, when I get in there, my whole intentions is pure out of love. And, you know, whatever this person needs to heal of today, then, you know, I'm there to help. That's it. But then I would feel something and I was like, well, I didn't have this before. I'm like, oh, it's got to be this person. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine walking in a grocery store or the mall and I'm getting all these aches and pains? I'm like, I know this does not belong to me, but who does it belong to? And there's like so many people around. I'm like, you know what? I'm not dealing with this. Like, I'm sorry. I can't sit there and ask, hey, does anybody have knee pain? Does anybody deal with a heart Palpitations, you know, right? Not do that all day long. That was just no. So you see, we're not a time alone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But the thing about it is, is you know, I, I love. I'm going to finish reading this. You know, sex and porn is their balance in you know discovering. What I feel women need. We're sex goddesses. We are the most central sexual beings, and it's a gift. It's a blessing. And I feel it's time now that women step into that. Acknowledge, hey, I am a sex goddess. And you know what? I'm not going to let the ego, but I, to feel 
I've dressed up. I got, um, I'm actually going to do a, a glamour shot and I'm going to get some sexy lingerie on and I'm getting those stiletto high heels and whatnot. To Once you feel and have the makeup and the hair done, it's a whole transformation. I did an interview with a photographer that does it and I know somebody else. It's that whole transformation, what that woman goes through and feels sexy wanted beautiful like they don't see themselves because it's get so busy in the programming you have to be a good wife you have to be a career woman you have to do you know all these things and they don't take time for themselves but once they get a little taste of that and then they can carry that with them it's a transformational mind-blowing experience and i i love i now i do it like I'll dress up, I'll get a sexy uh, lingerie, I'll get the, what is that, that schoolgirl outfit on and I got the white high heels just to dress up because it makes me feel sexy, beautiful. You and know? that is empowering. I think it, that's probably the most important message through the entire book is your sexuality is empowering. So embrace it. Don't try to hide it. It is a part of who you are. And just because you're sexy doesn't mean you're not also smart. We were fed those lies for a long time as well. Mm -hmm. You are both. You are a sexual human being. You are an intellectual human being. So embrace it. Embrace both sides of that. That's going to make your life more fulfilled. Oh, yes. And to be honest, I could talk about this because we're talking about sex. Um, I'm a, I'm having I've had some amazing experiences um, because I am by I love women but I love being in a relationship with a man so I experienced being a swinger and with a few select friends just to enjoy being in a relationship and being with a woman I have the best of both worlds and I completely relate to that because the exact definition that you gave. I am bisexual. I identify as bisexual. I prefer relationships with men, um, but I really enjoy making love to a woman. That body is the most beautiful, sensual thing in the world to me. So yeah. I can relate to, to everything that you're saying. And I feel like as a human being that it makes me more interesting. It makes life more interesting. Um, I can't imagine ever having been married, being a mother and just being with one person my entire life. But with that said, I also, I've had long-term relationships and I, I go years in between lovers and I've done that several times throughout my life. So I had a lover for 12 years and then I wasn't with anyone for I think seven years. And you know, that's, that's my process and that's okay. And then there are other women who um, are bisexual who either go from relationship to relationship, you know, or have relationships that are open. Um, whatever is right for you and is fulfilling for you, do it, embrace it. Don't let anyone tell you that it's wrong. Um, this is your life to be lived. This is your body to enjoy. Right. It's up to you. It doesn't belong to your father before it belongs to your husband. It's yours. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, there's a misconception about marriage. You know, to me and, and my partner that I'm with, he goes, we have it all wrong. We were not created to be in a monogamous relationship. Religion put that in there. And I was like, well, yeah, I, I get your point on the history of it and whatnot. But the thing about it is, is we have free will. We can choose to be in one or we could choose not to be in one. It's right. our choice, you know? And I think that's the problem of it's that religion. It's like, once you say your vows, this is it. And, you know, it totally masked our our mindset up and interfered with our true authentic selves on who we really are. Would you agree? Right. 
So, Kimberly, the point I really want to drive home about what you just said is that the church fuels that mindset, but we, society at large, accept that mindset. And it's our responsibility to change it and or step out of that way of being. Because, as you said, we all have free will. So you there are certainly some situations where young girls are forced to be married. We all oh, know no. that takes place around the world and it takes place culturally. I mean, even, you know, within the Mormon community, I have a very good friend who was told who to marry. You're from this prestigious Mormon family. You will marry this girl who is from the same economic class within the Mormon community. This is who you'll marry. Oh, my God. That sounds like history repeating itself, even from it, the royalty. Oh, my God. That's just. Ugh. And it was about 12 years ago. So, I mean, it's still happening, you know, and. And of course, the marriage didn't last. You know, so um, that's someone who stepped away from the church and now is sort of struggling to find any form of faith or spirituality at all whatsoever because everything that they had been taught they felt was a lie. And we all are living a lie. That's what I've been teaching, not preaching, just teaching. We all been living a lie. No wonder everybody is so dysfunctional and all these issues that we're still dealing today is because you're not living your true self. And I have, you know, again, I'm from the South and I was raised Pentecostal um, in a church of God. So I have friends who have been married for 30 and 40 years and have had good marriages. And I have friends who have had bad marriages, you know, maybe women who married husbands who thought that they should be subservient to them and never step out of that gender role and the women's needs were never met. Um, and I've had, you know, I know of a man who this story is 25 years old and I met a man who was in his seventies and his wife was with him and she was in her seventies and he had been raised Pentecostal church of God and she had been raised Methodist and they fell in love when they were teenagers and they were not allowed to marry because the man's father was a church of God minister and would not allow his son to marry a Methodist. So this young man was told who was acceptable for him to marry. And he married someone within the church of God. This was a long time ago. This was now 70 years ago. This is a great story. I've never told it before. And he married her and she would just take off for weeks or months at a time and leave the children with him. Now think about this during this era that they were living in, because this, this would have been in like the forties and fifties. Right. And finally the marriage dissolved because obviously she wasn't happy. She wasn't there for the children half the time. It was a horrible situation. So he ends up raising those children himself. And in his, 60s he reconnects with this woman that he'd been in love with as a teenager she had also been married and her husband had died her first marriage was not as bad as the man's had been but they went on to get married in their 60s spent the rest of their life together and would build houses together in their 70s i mean their story was so incredible and it's just like all too often and throughout all of time religion these church communities have divided people they've been more divisive than they have been inclusive and they're the um, most racist absolutely i agree with that um for the most part i'm not going to say everyone but they certainly have fielded it throughout all of time have definitely fueled it our, our churches are still separate for the most part um which i talk about in the anti-racism memoir as well but, you know, are we are we really protecting one another? Are we really unifying within church communities, uh, within society at large? Or are we keeping people divided and separate? Because I don't think God wants that at all whatsoever. 
So there's a lot of sort of psychological scars and, you know, bandages that we need to like help heal and get rid of in order to move into our best lives or, you know, living our best lives in our highest, our highest selves. It's, uh, it's a lot. It's a lifelong journey, I think. Certainly. Yeah. And, and I, but I feel like with what's going on in this is like, you know, not just the history, science and spirituality, because to me, they all go in tangent together. But what I'm seeing and, and I've been questioning is with, there is a, um, the earth axis has shifted. There is a dent in the um, electromagnetic field. Okay. And then all this climate changing and everything. And I'm going to the spirit guides and everything. I'm like, we're all connected, right? I mean, we're connected to the earth. We're connected to the, you know, the galaxy. We're connected to all that I can see right now. Right. Okay. And all this fires and, 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 you know, these floodings and I'm like, if we're all connected and there's, I've been seeing so much violence, so much hatred, so much death. Is this the manifestation of all what we're doing? We're creating this ourselves because of the more hate, the more violence, there's going to be a, not just physical, a bigger ramification because it's energy and you do it collectively it's going to manifest in another way. That's a great point. And I hadn't heard about the dent in the energy field. Can you tell me a little NASA, bit more about that? Okay. NASA has seen evidence. You can research it. I got a glimpse of it. Um, there's a dent in the electric magnetic field. Now, here's my concern. If that dent gets bigger, guess what? The sun's. Right it can go right through that and it would be the end of our existence because that's happened before in other planets by the way <laughs> and i just find it fascinating and then the pole shift the earth axis is shifting as well so i'm like now looking through history um i wish i could find that uh website I think I saved it on my computer. I have to go look for it. But I went as far back as 95,000 years ago of what was, what events, what earthquakes, what volcanoes, what, you know, floods and things like that were taking place. And to me, it gets a little confusing because you're going backwards, you know, in BC, you wind up going backwards and then turns into AD kind of thing. And, I was just floored by what I read that was going on, you know, um, ca catastrophe of events that the earth was dealing with, with so many volcanoes, so many floods. I was just like, wow, I didn't even realize this. <laughs> I'm wondering if it isn't cyclical. Like with COVID, we know that we had the Spanish flu 100 years ago. And you can trace almost every hundred years, there is some sort of disease that wipes out a fair portion of population across the globe. Well, um, my partner was like, well, this is another way of mother nature eliminating the population. If it gets, feels overpopulated, it's going to create something. But I'm like, man has to part in it too. I, you know, right. it's just the COVID just did not come out of the soil. And, you know, there is other partakers in this. And um, the thing that I found, and I keep saying, history keeps repeating itself until we wake up and realize, you know, our ancestors didn't know any better. You know, if they made a right decision or a wrong decision and, you know, the ramifications, even the Civil War. Right. You know. So that when COVID came, I did. I looked up the Spanish flu and everything. And it was almost similar about the resistance of wearing masks. And, you know, we already hit, the United States already hit the uh, over the record of 
how many deaths were in. I think uh, in the Spanish flu, it was 600,000 just in the U.S. Mm -hmm. And I think we went over that record. Yes, we have. So I find that very, it's funny, like when things show up and you try connecting the dots and ask the right questions, the truth will show up. It's like, yeah, see this? History is repeating itself. When are we going to wake up? So where can I think I put in the description, but I want you to announce it to everybody. Where can they get this book? Your book. It, it is on Amazon, but you can also order it from personalempowermentpublishing.com. I have a store there. So my books are on there and I've got some merch coming for um, sexual intellectual female too. And so my next book project is BIPOC entertainers in 20th century America. And that discusses every chapter is a brief bio of an entertainer and the racism they experienced throughout their careers. Um, how that may have fueled their activity in the civil rights movement. Did they write a song? Um, were they closing out performances with a particular song like Strange Fruit, Billie Holiday, um, A Change is Gonna Come, Sam Cooke wrote. So that is going to take longer than a year. Initially, I had hoped to have it out by the end of the year, but that's probably going to be 2022. Oh, wow. Well, I wish you the best of success. And I enjoyed having this conversation with you, Regina. Thank you so much for joining us today. And I, my intentions that someone listens, someone sees and, you know, starts thinking outside the box. Absolutely. Thank you for having me, Kimberly. It was great. Thank you. Well, there you go. Oh my gosh. I got enlightened even more just by having Regina join us today. And I hope you did too. You never know who I'm going to get on this show. So stay tuned. This is Wake Up With KC. Have a great day. Do you agree that, you know, it's time that we all wake up and take responsibility, even for our ancestors that did not know any better? I've been waiting patiently to have this kind of conversation. (laughs) 